Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 192 of Dial the Gate, the Stargate Oral History Project. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on this Sunday. Brian J. Smith is joining us in this episode uh, to bring us up to speed on what he's been up to and discuss uh, something that you should be watching right now because it is very prescient, uh, Class of 09 on uh, uh, Hulu. Uh, Before we bring him in, if you enjoy Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, uh, please click that like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will continue to help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next uh, few weeks on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. As this is a live show, if you are in the YouTube chat, I have moderators uh, in there, uh, Tracy and Anthony today, and they will be um, looking for questions for Brian that I will then give him uh, in the back half of the show. Brian J. Smith, Lieutenant, First Lieutenant Matthew Scott of Stargate Universe, and currently uh, Linux on... um, uh, class of 09 what is his position he's not a director is he what is he brian what was he uh i think it when it starts in the present storyline i think he said he's became an associate executive it's so it's winding it's ridiculous assistant you know i mean it's like the fbi has all of these crazy uh ranks and i mean it, it I, I, it's I, crazy i, I looked at I did look it up. I did. I mean, we did go to that. We did go to Quantico and, uh, you know, we, we talked to a lot, like a lot of FBI people. So I asked them, like, what what is this position? What what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty high up there. You, you got pretty high up there. So uh, that, that that's all I know. Pretty high up. Well, I want to talk about uh, this this show a fair bit. How are you? Are you, are, are you, you were in Atlanta to shoot this? You're back in New York. How are things going? And And, and what's what's going on for you right now? Uh, you know, it's great. Uh, I, uh, you know, of course we're in the middle of the WGA strike right now. And so things are a little bit weird, but there's actually a surprising amount of stuff that's filming uh, these days. That's interesting. But, uh, yeah, you know, back in in the city survived the wildfire smoke. Oh, geez, Uh, man. That those photos were wild. Yeah, it was, it was really, there was one time I stepped outside in the, when it was really in the thick of it. And I was like, wow, like I actually got, I felt sick. Like it was so overwhelming, the smell. Um, and just, you felt like off. Um, so that was weird, but yeah, I've been, I, I did another mini series that, um, I, I'm hoping makes it to a, a streamer, uh, near to you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who who knows when? I, I have no idea how these things work. I just you know, 
memorized my lines and, and <laughs> <took> the bags. <laughs> but uh, I put in my days. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, that's that's way above my pay grade. And um, uh, yeah, and and the other big thing I've just been working on um a, a documentary uh since uh, we were planning it. I think when I talked to you last year, wow. we were in like the very early stages of like pre-production and filmed all summer of last year, pretty much uh, a good part of the fall, good part of the winter and some early spring of this year. So we got about like 140 hours of footage. Wow. And, uh, we are sort of in the process of, of turning all of that, that, that material into, you know, a, a feature length documentary film. Um, and it's been awesome. It's been like the most fun I've ever had. Right. Okay. So what, what's the title or what's it about? Uh, the title is um, A House Is Not A Disco, and it is a documentary that's like a year in the life of um, uh, Fire Island Pines, which is this gay beach community um, off, off Great South Bay um, on Long Island that uh, you know kind of became famous in the 70s went through a really dark time in the 80s with the AIDS crisis and is sort of right now going through a very interesting rebirth and a renaissance. So, yeah, we, we, we stayed out there kind of embedded in the community for a year and we wanted to see what is it like to live and work and play in a, uh, a, a totally queer, homonormative community. Um, it's this little experiment in uh, queerness, uh, you know, running a town, feeding a town, ruling a town, right? Uh, so the whole uh, community, okay. Yeah, I mean, there. Of course, I, listen, it's predominantly, predominantly queer. But okay. There are, there are straight people that live out there, of course. Okay. It's like, uh, it, it, it's the only place in the world that's really run by and for queer people, really. Okay. It's the only one. Okay. Wow. Now, are, are you on camera? Are you behind the camera? Behind camera, yeah. So uh, directing, producing. You directed this. I directed it. Yeah. Congratulations! Wow, dude. Which is an interesting thing. I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's an interesting thing to direct a documentary because it, it it's uh, it, I I actually feel like a lot of it really is just bringing in people who are interesting in front of the camera and then sort of like. Uh, maintaining and bringing together our crew and our production team director of photography our you know our producer producer our sound people you know it, it's kind of keeping the ship um just not sinking to the bottom <laughs> it was like it's most of my job well uh but yeah yeah it, it's been it's been incredible it's like actually uh, probably the most like creatively fulfilling thing i've ever done what what has this taught you personally and um, professionally well i mean there's just a, this whole other side of my brain i feel like that that just act it's not an appropriate side of the brain for an actor to ever use that i like to use and i've never gotten to until now i feel like it's a you know i get to be conceptual and intellectual and thinking in terms of the big picture, right? Like acting when it is going well is like more like an athletic event. You know, like you're not thinking at all. You're just reacting to the ball and you're trying to just be as, you know, present as you possibly can be, which just really does not involve thinking. 
at all. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think this is something I'm, I, I would love to keep doing. Um, I, I've got some other ideas for some other films to make and, um, yeah, it's, it's been just wild. Absolutely. It's just totally the most fun I've had. Do you have a distributor yet? Uh, no, but we got, you know, the way, the way this thing works is you, the documentary production world is, is very, very, very interesting. And it's different than the, the narrative world, right? It's, it's a very, you're, it's the wild west. You're very much, you're very much on your own in a lot of ways and until you complete your film. So right now we're, if we can get to a rough cut, that's the thing that we'll use to start shopping it around. And then hopefully you get a distributor like a streamer. Uh, or a studio, you know, to come on board and help you with the finishing costs and help you get it, it is to festivals and then it lands online somewhere. So, and hopefully somewhere good, you know, like on a, a showtime or anything. Of course. Yeah. More eyeballs. Right. How, um, how much uh, more shooting do you uh, think that you have and uh, before you get your first uh, kind of locked cut, how far are you? Well, we're, we're pretty we're pretty much done filming. There's just one other little thing I need to get uh, to feel like I've sort of filmed everything I wanted to film. And uh, we, I think, are going to do that this summer. Um, and but you know, it's right now. It's it's just all about the edit. It's all about turning this very this this hybrid mix of interviews, live action scenes. Um, tons of beautiful b-roll you know turning it into a, a a film that takes the audience on a journey mm-hmm. uh for for an, like an hour and a half or so um and that's that's also for me been like a very uh fascinating process to you know think about how you structure a film um these are things i've always thought about and that i've always wanted to play around with and that you know again i think that there's Oftentimes, you know, if you're an actor, there's this like, oh, that's cute. How cute of you to want to do this? You know, go go sit in your cast chair and we'll bring you a coffee. Um, be quiet, please. Because uh, every actor wants to direct. I mean, come on. Every actor thinks that, you know, I'm not being used. I'm not being I'm not being utilized or whatever, you know. So uh, uh, this so that's me doing that now, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Of course, I mean it's any. You you ask you know a handful of creative people, uh, you know what do you want to do in your life, and and so many of them will have oh I've I've got the, this idea for a novel in the back of my head that they never get to, and I imagine for a lot of actors it's shot at directing at some point, you know, taking the reins and seeing seeing what you're made of, seeing if you've got some metal and some scrap to you. So I'm I'm yeah. thrilled to hear that you are doing this. This is this is really cool. And um please keep me in the loop. Please keep us in the loop. Oh, totally. We'd love to support it. Absolutely. Oh. I, I I will. I I totally will. Yeah. We have been watching, I have been watching, and some of them, I'm sure. Um Class of 09. Uh six of the eight episodes have aired. Uh and I suspect that when it was shot, you guys didn't realize just how prescient it would be in terms of the advancement of technology and and how much artificial intelligence has spooked us in the last eight or nine months. 
Um, Tell us about this project and how, you know, science fiction is quickly (laughs) overtaking and becoming science fact. Here we are. I mean, it's it's happening. We literally, when we were filming this last, a year ago, it would have been, I think we finished filming, I want to say in uh april like late april something like that uh this discussion of ai was like not a thing i mean it was a thing it was like a science fiction concept it was abstract it was abstract yeah uh what if and now I, literally it just like when chat gbt hit uh the interwebs <laughs> uh it, it felt like everything started escalating really really fast and they're already i was just reading i think in the times or maybe it was the new yorker today that 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 this language learning model ai has might have already started showing some kind of weird signs of prescience depending on uh, who you talk to um right and there's going to be other other people on the other side just as many who are saying well you're you're reading too much into it but if it's already starting it's already convincing people to kill themselves hey yeah i'll i'll send i'll send you the story there's a couple of them to save to save to save the planet um if no at what point i mean let me insert this and then i'll and then i'll let you get back to your get get back to the discussing the show at what point does it make any difference what the nature of this creation of our genius really is if we're killing ourselves already because of it at the end of the in the final analysis what analysis what difference is it in terms of whether it's truly sentient or not i think what matters is what we're doing with it and i think what class of 09 at at, at the fundamental essence of what that is about is what we're doing with the technologies that we've invented, what we're doing to each other. I'm sorry, but please, pray, continue. <laughs> Jeez. No, it's true. I mean, of course, like, Class of 09, like, really looks at AI through a very specific lens. It's really trying to explore, like, you know, AI's role in um, uh, national security and surveillance, um, uh, you know, so it, it's less about, you know, uh, like, these chatbots and, and stuff right. like that. It, it's it's got a lot more to do with like you know. Imagine there's a terrorist attack that happens yeah. in the states that's like so so appalling, like so brazen that it was launched by you know let's say a right wing white supremacist sort of movement, which is probably we're probably getting close to something like that, you know. If the technology invented, if the technology existed to stop it, uh, don't we have a responsibility to use that technology rather than just like, you know, fussing and clutching our pearls about how bad the technology could be, right? Um, that's that's like one of the major dilemmas, I think, that that the uh, that Class of 9 is. Oh, hi. Hi. Who's this? Are you helping this is Pippa. This is my. This is Can my, we meet Pippa? My, uh, say hi. Aww. Hello, Pippa. She can't hear me, but anyway, she's beautiful, hi, Brian. Hang on. Isn't she pretty? She is. Aww. Sorry. 
let's take a step. Uh, let's take a step back. Um, people are like uh, people who haven't seen it. What is this? Uh, can you can you uh, can you tell us what class of 09 is in its essence and yeah. and the three time periods and how the story is told? Yeah, so it, it just at it, its core, the class of 09 is about a gifted, uh, sort of extraordinary class of FBI recruits uh, uh, who start off in 2009, and it follows their relationship with each other and uh, their relationship with the FBI over the course of like three decades. So you see them when they're like in their late 20s, early 30s, all the way up to when they're in their 50s. And it's, you know, I've been telling people it, it, it's really about the way institutions change us, the institutions that we work within, our careers, um, you know, how, how they mold us as the years pass and also how we in turn change and should change uh, some of the institutions that we are a part of. Like the FBI. It's, it's been... Um extraordinary to watch because well my my favorite show of all time is lost and it effectively takes place in at the end of the day in in really three different time periods and so much of the story is how it's told not so much what it's told and i'm watching this thing and seeing so much of oh wow i i wonder how this is going to turn out you know at the end of this thing oh we're getting that in this episode <laughs> because right. it's 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 a it's a fever pitch in terms of the velocity of the storytelling. Like now that you've said you've you've told me it's a limited series, it's it's one season period. Now I get it because it doesn't it doesn't miss a beat. Like things that would lend themselves to a second or third and or perhaps final season, we see right then and there. And so anyone who wants like uh, uh, a brisk story experience and all and and like not having to wait around for the answers, this is this is one this is one to watch. And the sci-fi premise in terms of uh, AI and how we use we create tools um, and how they can run away from us is all there. And again, it's it's um, it's it's happening before our eyes. Yeah. Also, to the drones, uh, yep. we definitely get into the way that the FBI could conceivably start using drones for security purposes in the future. It's something mm-hmm. interesting to think about. It's all that was again. I feel like the uh, Russia invasion mm-hmm. of Ukraine happened while we were filming. Uh, uh, I so yeah, that was like in the late winter, early spring, I think. Yeah. And, uh, it's just been interesting to see that the role that drones. Are now going to be playing in modern warfare, uh, just going from going forward from now. So again, that was just something that was in the show, and we had no idea that that would feel as uh, prescient as it, as it has now. Who was the most rewarding to work with in front of the camera? Oh man, I mean, I I, I had so much of my work to do with Kate Mara, and yeah. uh, that was a trip because yeah. I been a big fan of hers i mean she it's actually she's one of those actresses that you cannot believe like the movies that she's popped up in um and then i think people really got to know her through uh house of cards oh yeah absolutely um and i you know she's just really really memorable and uh 
Yeah, I, I remember we had to do sort of like a chemistry read, but we did it over Zoom. <laughs> oh, man. That was how we, a lot of that's still happening. Like yeah. that's still like how like the industry is, you know, casting things right now. Like casting offices are a thing of the past um, in, in general. And uh, now people are doing most of the auditioning over Zoom, which is like this. It's just literally like this. Like I saw Kate, Kate was there on the top of the screen. I was like seeing myself there on the bottom of the screen. And you're reading these words with this person trying to figure out like, do we have chemistry or whatever? <laughs> but uh but she was great she was like really just a trip to work she's she's such a, like a leader too i mean she's a very it, it the kate mara experience is also like who she is off camera you know and it's she's strong and she's kind and compassionate and also like you know not to be screwed with like she has a very very finely tuned bullshit meter um and you you know, you better have it together or, you know, she's just not going to, she's just not going to put up with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, she'll help if she can, you know, but, but that's not to say that she's in any way, uh, uh, mean or mean spirited or a bully or God, anything, the absolute opposite. I, I can't tell you. She just, she's, she's one of those people that you so desperately want her to like you. Um, and she's so eager and so generous with that likingness. <laughs> Um, that uh, she's, she was just incredible. And also too, just to watch her work the way that she, there's something, some people have this and she's one of them that like, she actually becomes the most interesting version of herself when the camera turns on. Um, and I, I've seen it happen a few times. There's a switch that they flip. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 she's like, she's more, she's even more confident. Yeah. Know, and, and even more free somehow. Uh, Interesting. She, she would probably not agree with me when I, if you asked her that, you know, like she, I'm, she like, she like my, my insides though, or I'm nervous and I'm worried, you know, you, you, I don't know. I don't know where that goes because you, you, you can't see it. She just, yeah. But if you're delivering, what difference does it make? You know, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. She has been, um, great to watch, you know, I, I have, I have enjoyed her in this more than I have in house of cards because I think that, uh, uh, her, her toolbox has grown in terms of the things that she uses, um, and, and deploys on screen. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. It's a little bit of everything. Um, I was debating whether or not to utter this complaint on screen, Oh, but I'm gonna. Okay. Dude, sorry. You you by f by a considerable margin have had the least character development on screen and it's pissed me off. Because of of the four um and you may disagree. Uh, of the four, the three others have been explored to to a a a considerable degree and I'm like Where's Bri I want more Brian. I want more of my friend. <laughs> I mean, thank you. I, I, you know, I, I, I would, I wish I could say that that was like something that was like in, in the script, you know, but, but, uh, no, I doubt, I think it's very much, it, it was by design. I, you yeah. Know, uh, there's, there's such a thing as like foreground and background, right? Yeah. In a story. And obviously the I think for me the the foreground elements and I always knew this, like it's very apparent even when you read the scripts, right? That Kate is foreground, Brian Tyree is yeah. foreground. Those are the two major movers of the story. In some way, my character's there 
uh, to illuminate mm-hmm. certain things about Kate's character. That's the truth. Right. So it's, um, and, uh, and also to illuminate certain aspects of her relationship with Or, uh, Sepity's character. Yeah. Um, it's this kind of, you know, little triangle here. So, you know, you learn these things, right? And it's like, yeah, I got it. It'd be great if I, it'd be great if I could meet my parents. Uh, right. So, They're referenced several you know, times. So, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be great if I, you know, had like, you know, certain beats where I could, you know, uh, but that, you know, listen, it's it's a, I'm I'm a jobbing actor. Yeah. I, I I think some people kind of go in and they go, ah, I'm going to rewrite this. I, I need more blah, 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 blah. I just right. I don't. You're not going to William Shatner. I can I get fired. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're not all we can't all be like that, you know, so I, you know, I, and I enjoy that. You know, my my job is always to try to help the writer um, and the director um, realize their dream for this piece of writing. Um, and, uh, you know, it, beyond that, it's uh, it's just, you know, not my place. You're there to facilitate the documents, you know, and, and, yes. and make a great a, a great show and the result. Yeah, absolutely. I get I it. Also, you know, but I, as an audience also, member, I'm going to complain. So I just wanted to get that out there. Look at it's totally valid. And it's these things that you are constantly, you know, as a writer, I'm sure trying to balance, you know, it's like, right. You know, do I throw things out of whack? If we get, if we know too much about this person, you know, that's every time you do that, you have to take away a little bit from someone else, you know? Right. Um, so Yeah. Um, we've got two episodes left. Uh, when everything is said and done, do you feel that this project will come away with more of a warning about the future? Are we going to be left with hope? Are we going to be left in ruins? What do you think? Have you seen it? I, I, yeah. Okay. Well, I know I haven't seen I haven't seen the last episode. I, I I've actually only seen the first five. I haven't even seen episode six. Yet. Okay. Um, I feel like based on what I read, which I'm pretty sure is going to be like what you know the I I can't imagine them changing the mm-hmm. ending drastically from what we did. But man, without giving anything away, you know, I think it's become clear after episode five that it'd be. The story very much becomes about the effort to deal with the system from the inside, right? And I think, I think that that's kind of a that you know, we have kind of a Skynet situation on our hands at this point. A Skynet situation on our hands at this point, yeah. What yeah. what is Skynet? What what is that? Terminator. The the infrastructure that that gives birth to these robotic machines that take over the earth. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, I I I know what you're saying, and I it, it, I think it becomes you know about you know what responsibility do people have that are on the inside of these institutions to deal with or try to um, uh, you know fix these threats as they you know arise. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's been a wild ride, and I'm looking forward to seeing how um, how it resolves. And uh, I, it's it's available on Hulu, um, and uh, I think um, 
I've I've enjoyed watching it. There's there's a lot more than what we've just said. I th- I think the things that have really hit me the hardest are like the implications where uh, of uh, of how we as a society change across time. One of my favorite scenes uh, was uh, when they were in the Tesla, and um, they were the girls were considered suspects by the by the system just because. Uh, Kate had manual control of the car and we can see where that's going like once that technology becomes ubiquitous people of that era are going to be like why would you dare endanger other people by having manual control of a of a of a two-ton piece of metal why why Are, are you that important so we can see where that goes right yeah that's that's a really good point it is a really that was a very there's all these like little interesting things that they put in about the future, you know, about like, uh, the tr- I think it's like, what, 20, uh, was it 2034? Yeah, 2034. Um, you know, the idea that, yeah, once we start having self-driving cars uh, that are reliably safe, um, not only, you know, would, yeah, like you said, the, the, the prospect of driving a car would just be ridiculous. It's, you're also allowing, you know, the state, the possibility of taking over your car. Absolutely. If, yeah. Yeah. You give them you I mean, give them a good enough excuse. Absolutely. They're going to. So and it's that. And again, it's that sort of conundrum of it. Right. Like, do you want to live in a world that is and in a country that is so safe that you don't even have to have a gate up around the White House anymore? Do you want to live in a, in a in a country that is so safe that you don't have to worry about mass shootings anymore? Right. Well, if you want that. You're going to have to live in a, in a country that has a absolutely authoritarian statist um, surveillance system in place to stop people from potentially create, uh, mm-hmm. committing crimes. Like that's 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 the solution. So right. do you want that or do you not? And that's, right. uh, you know, one of the major dilemmas of, of the story. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I want it as long as my guy is involved, you know, but then, you know, when an election changes, you know. And then those tools become available to another guy. It's like these, you really have to take the long road, long view in a lot of these situations. It's like, okay, what is it that we've given birth to that uh, you have to explore all the options? Okay, we've created this. Now, what can it potentially do? And I, I get nervous around people who are like, can never be designed to do that. That's not possible. Why the heck not? If, if the system yeah. is in place... So it's a wild show, man, and I'm and uh, I, I I I'm I'm glad that you're a part of it, and it's it's been great to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think me too. I, I yeah I, I I'm sure I'm sure I, I I'm sure it'll be great. You know, it's, I, I I do remember it's also because you're not just ending the future story uh, lines too. You're also ending. I do believe like when you get to the the last episode, you're also ending the present storyline and you're also ending the past storyline as well. So it's like each of these things all sort of come together. Mm-hmm. The different, uh, the three different peaks of their lives. They're graduating from school. You know, did you film how, how much of filming was done at Quantico? Was any filming done at Quantico? No, no, no filming was at Quantico. We found there's a building, a couple of buildings in Atlanta that uh, sort of had that same red brick 19, what like, you know, late eighties, sort of structure that they do have a Quantico. So so you guys uh, rebuilt Hogan's Alley. You rebuilt all of it. 
Hogan's Alley was a um, what was that set? Where was that? It looks like a small town uh, square. It was a small town square. Yeah, it was like this little like 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 fairy tale town square. Like it was about like two hours, I think, outside of outside of Atlanta. Okay. Um, very very interesting place, but like, and we actually did go to Quantico and see the actual Hogan's Alley. Uh, which was just absolutely fascinating. And they had every conceivable model of home um, with stair, different stair situations, yeah. homes, kitchen configurations. We actually got to watch a scenario play out wow. um, where we were inside the house just pretending like we weren't there. And there's someone in the house and the uh, two trainees, FBI trainees had to come in and deal with a um, uh, an interview that they had some questions for someone at the house. And mm-hmm. then something pretty crazy happened and they have to figure out how to react to it. Um, and you can see how fast things really can uh, get out of control um, and how how just constantly alert and present. Uh, these folks have to be in these situations because it can change in a millisecond. It's like law enforcement. You know, they're not allowed to have a bad day. Law enforcement, caregivers, a couple others, you know, we, we put these people yeah. in impossible situations. Um, yeah. And and expect superhuman, you know, uh, qualities from them. And, you know, it's. Well, that is the that's the A.I. We uh, expect them to be like A.I. We expect them to have the super absolute and zero percent of you know failure rate as the machine would have right and that's and then that's the point of ai then you know so if that's what we want wouldn't you want to have that inc- you know like if, if you could guarantee that no one will be wrongly shot um or no one will be you know that, that some kind of situation won't be misunderstood and get out of hand mm-hmm. wouldn't you want that mm-hmm. um yeah it's yeah it's a conundrum Ta- I, I, we don't solve it you can't really solve no it. no that that's you're supposed to ask the questions though you know teo's right. uh uh arc is is really his his, his his wife you know comes under attack she's a she's assaulted on the on the the her front doorstep and it's like you, right. you completely understand why these people have have come the direction that they've come and uh but you even, I think we're even beginning to watch in terms of the episodes that have been released, his transformation that, you know, if I want to turn this thing off, can I, you know, we've, we've seen how far it go, how far it can go. You can have absolute safety, but what, hum, at what cost, what, what, how much of humanity have you surrendered to this system? So it's, it's, well, I think a perfectly applicable it, story for our times. It's also really interesting, you know, Teo's character being like African American, mm-hmm. right? And having seen uh how bad corrupt cops and racist cops can be. We they we know that they're not mm-hmm. like the majority. We know that they're very No, very, but they did, but they exist. But and he had an encounter with one of them uh-huh. and uh as a child, right? Um and it's interesting that that encounter is the thing that inspired him to want to like actually take human error out of the equation when it comes to law enforcement totally right that, that it's those things like when when law enforcement makes mistakes mm-hmm. we as a public go we don't want those mistakes we need to 
we need to erase them and the possibility that they exist. If you want that to happen, you have to give the system up to machines. You have to give the system up to AI. And what do you give up when you do that, right? It, that That's like, that's th these are the, the ethical uh, uh, conundrums we're in right now. We have to ask these questions. We have to figure out what the hell we're doing. Like right now, we're not doing that. We're just like careening toward this escalation. Oh, yeah. Um, where these companies are trying to outdo each other yeah. to get to like- What can we make? Yeah. 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 And the military wants to know too. Of course, the military has a vested interest in having AI robot soldiers. You know, they're already looking into it. And it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's with what times we live in. Yeah. The Boston Dynamics dogs, you know, we're already using them in the, in the field to, to help carry our equipment. You know, you arm these things, you get them running fast enough that they, they can, they can, they can take out a human. So it's just wild stuff. May you live in interesting times. So, yes. um, <laughs> right. Um, well, I never asked you when you guys were filming, um, air your trip to, um, white sands, New Mexico, one of my favorite places on the earth. What was that experience like out there on the dunes? Hot. <laughs> yeah. So there was no acting involved in that. Oh, it was so hot. But the sand was like cold. Yes. Cold to the touch, right? Yep. It's like that white sand is completely reflective. So there was no heat absorbing at all. Very bizarre. Yeah, that was so cool. That that was like one of those moments where you're just looking around at all you know, the other getting on a on a uh helicopter with a camera crew, getting dropped off like a mile outside of base camp and being filmed you know with nobody else literally they, i remember they dropped me off in the middle of that desert with like a radio and some water <laughs> and uh i said all right just walk this way we're gonna have the helicopter come around and follow you of course these days you do that with your drones right but back then back then when we were doing sgu all those aerials had to be filmed with the camera mounted helicopter and we don't do that anymore no well, in this case, you know, you can be dropped off and leave no footprints. So, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah. But that's exactly. that's just, that's uh, uh, the, the the production value that was poured into that show, uh, even by today's standards, is just staggering, you know? Yeah. They, 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 really, they really put a lot of money into making it look super, super, super high end and super, super, super top, top shelf. And man, they did a great job. I mean, it's, I, I haven't seen it actually I, I, in a while. I should go back and I should go back and watch it every once in a while. It's kind of fun to go back and look at your younger self, you know, of course, aghast, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Elena came on right. and, uh, a, a few oh, days right. later, oh gosh, her, her, her spaniels are gorgeous, are just gorgeous. Um, and, uh, I didn't realize that she had also had gotten, uh, one or two, like when you did, when you got Cassie. Um, That's right. But That's right. Uh, she was, a couple of days after she had come on, she went, she posted online that she was rewatching the show and she was like, yeah, this was, I mean, I knew it was good, but this is good. You know, this is, this yeah. is a great experience. And I, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your take on the show. I think it's, I think it's probably one of those shows that, you know, 
I, I even felt this like a little bit with Sense8. Like, I remember when Sense8 came out, everybody was just kind of like, what the hell is this? Stupid. The critics, you know, didn't like it. Like, we, we just, people were just kind of like, uh, they did, they, it, the, the, the present day reaction to it was very negative. Wachowskis are on another wavelength, you know? I mean, yeah. they, they, yeah. you have to get them. You have to, you have to be in their space or you're not going to get it. So, but then you go back and you look at like Rotten Tomatoes now for Sensei, and it's like, you know, you, you wouldn't know that that was the initial reaction at all. And like a lot of those reviewers, I shit you not, like this is why I just like roll my eyes at critics. It's like they they went back and recanted their negative reviews, um, and it's like really just really interesting, right? I'm not saying that people get things wrong, but it's just funny how our ability to watch things. Um, freshly and uh, uh, I don't know, kindly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may not have the ability to do that in the moment, and I and I think that it was probably the same thing with SGU. I mean, we were always in the shadow of the franchise in Atlanta. People wanted, you know, like just understandably wanted the thing that they were being given for for decades, you know, and um, you know, I. So I think that now with a little bit of time, I think the people that will find SGU as its own sort of thing, I think will probably appreciate it in a way that they wouldn't have been given the chance to with all that negative feedback in the air that was happening when we first came out. What friendships from that era have wi- have really withstood the test of time for you? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I would say I would say all of the, I mean, it's, you know, I haven't seen any of them for a while i mean I, I, david blue of course i know but you know he lives in la i live in new york it's you know difficult to you know to meet up but uh anytime i've been in la i've you know made sure to go see him and say hi and you know we hang out just you know david's the best he's so sweet and um all of them i i there's not a single person on that cast that uh if i i just wouldn't jump at the chance to see them if they were around and and wanted to say hi. It was a very special experience. It was very sweet. It was a very sweet experience. You know, like I get this little nostalgic feeling when I look back on it, right? We just, we had a great time and it was a great time for me too at that point in my life. It was, it, it was just a great, uh, it came right when I needed it to and it gave me a lot of confidence and it taught me a lot of stuff. Um, I, just, I have nothing but great uh, vibes when I think about Lock Watcher wants to know about your first day on set. Uh, on SGU? Mm-hmm. Sorry, SGU, my first... Uh, no, no, my gosh. Uh, first day filming, uh, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember what my first day filming was. I think we might have been like doing the, out, the exterior of the Icarus base when it gets attacked by the bad guys right and we're like on a cliff and there's Mm -hmm. a big gun right uh there was like a scene that took place when we all kind of meet each other for the first time there and i think that was my first day and uh you know i was terrified i was nervous you know i never i'd never been on a a tv show like that before i knew that there's a lot of money had been spent you know and of course you're right you know, you're there and you're thinking like, oh, my God, like, I, I hope I don't get fired. And you know, <laughs> I, I, 
you know, are they sure that they didn't mix my headshot up accidentally with the person that they really wanted to cast it in this? You know, like you, you really do think about those things, <laughs> believe, like, believe it or not. Um, yeah. Oh, but it was, it was so thrilling and, and, uh, yeah, we were at bridge studios there. Huh? Right. And, and Vancouver. And that was just a fantastic place to work. Um, it felt like going, to, you know, it felt like our family, um, yeah, God, I, it's just I'm, I'm now it's just all these memories just kind of washing over me. Uh, um, it was, it was. What can I say? It, it was, it was, it was just magical. What about your last day? Oh, last day. I remember we we filmed a scene. I we might have filmed like. I think we did film. For those of us who did go back into the pods, we did film those last i think were those done after the the thanksgiving scene no the thanksgiving no. scene i love that scene is that when we're all right around the table yeah that was that was uh our last day all together for sure i don't know if that was like my last day on set specifically but that was the last time that we were all together and you know we didn't know at that point yep. if we were coming back or not we didn't find out until like i, I think a couple months later that uh that the the show wasn't coming back so at that point there was like still like a a little bit of like hope right but like i think we knew at that uh, the ratings the show was airing already at that point the ratings were you know not stellar by any you know metric mm. um and uh so it did feel like a goodbye and it did feel like we got to have a little bit of a goodbye we a little bit it would have been nice of course to have maybe have one more you know season or something to to round the thing out but um hey that's it's that's life in the circus exactly right <laughs> where do i stand what do i say okay okay <laughs> general general maximus um you're starting a new series 15 seasons of uh, established story and mythology um how uh how how much did you have to fight off the knowledge that you were coming into this established machine um and uh did did you spend a lot of of time just focusing on starting something fresh with a clean slate or did that did none of that occur at all and you were just there to shoot your day yeah it didn't i really didn't know anything at all about you know i i, I went and watched like you know, some other episodes from the franchise just to so I, so I mm, you know, the feel I the feel of like what was done before. But we were so clearly doing something that was so much different mm. that like it, it was a different show. Like, let's be honest. It was it was a different show. It was it was not, you know, so so, so to answer your question, like, no, I, I, I was totally blissfully ignorant coming in of like any kind of expectations around us in relation to the rest of the franchise um i it just yeah i i we just had so many it was such a big undertaking it was a massive production um with a lot of elements in it and we were just wanting to do the best job that we could possibly do as you normally do you know so wasn't until later that uh you know i kind of like realized like oh shoot wow there's like a existing fan base and they you know they just I hadn't even thought of it. Mm -hmm. I really hadn't even considered it going in. 
Jamie Hunter wanted to know, um, uh, were you given any hints about uh, the future of the show beyond uh, what you guys had shot? I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't think so. I I think that they were pretty. I do I do think that obviously those you know those guys always know right. They're they're they they've got their um uh you know beat sheets and treatments of like what they want to do next season. They're thinking about that stuff as they write the season that they're in always mm-hmm. right. Um. So I don't I don't really I yeah I I would be interested in knowing. Um. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that like we don't know. I there's. It's so funny, like in shows like this and like franchise shows, there's always just this little they don't want to like completely let go. Like they don't want to completely. And I mean, like the creators and the people that are in it, you know, there's always like little space. Like, I mean, I will we come back like in 30 years, you know, for like things happen or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I so. um, But you never count on it. You never expect it. It could. Who knows? I, I've certainly never been approached by. I, I know that they're they're going to start doing other Stargate things, mm-hmm. right? Like they are going to mm-hmm. start doing other Stargate shows. Amazon's right? Amazon's uh, tinkering right now with something. How concrete it is is a is a uh, is a, a question for for deliberation. But uh, yeah, there is there there is certainly that aspect. And, and Philippe Canat uh, wanted to to know, and I think we've asked you this before. Um, how uh, how willing would you be to 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 jump back in? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Absolutely. I'm game. You know, I'm like I'm like Nike. You know, like just do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. Teresa MC, would you step through the Stargate, or would you want to stay uh, Earthside? Yeah, I don't know. I think I would. I mean, if like you really like, oh, it sounds like kind of cool. You know, like. But like, if I like really think about it, and I was like really like in my room right now, there was a Stargate, and like the idea that I was going to like sort of be dematerialized and you know thrust through a wormhole, you know. So I I don't I, it would it would it would be like it'd be like bungee jumping, right? You know? and I'd probably have that same feeling of like you're standing over, you're about to jump into the like this overwhelmingly terrifying situation. I would imagine like that's actually the same thing, like feeling of going into a Stargate, like the reality of it be like oh uh, yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) absolutely no it's uh some of those situations you can't really tell how you'd respond if unless you were faced with it it's like okay so this is a reality here so what am i gonna do well let's let a few thousand people go first and then i'll think about it (laughs) let's see what the survival rate is yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) absolutely you guys you guys gotta let me know how it is (laughs) right exactly um red faction does that ring a bell to you oh red faction yeah i remember mac boland's conscience i remember the red faction movie how did you like the movie and would you act in more movies based on video games like warhammer um yeah that was uh yeah i remember like this was like kind of oh this was a while ago okay um but there was there was like this whole you know movie thing of like oh you know making movies uh, that are based on these video game franchises and red faction they were trying to maybe feel that out it's a pretty rich universe and that was a tough one i mean we were filming in bulgaria in the middle of the winter in a studio that like wasn't like 
heated or like properly outfitted to have production in it, frankly, at all. I mean, it was wild. I mean, like literally you'd be walking and like pieces of the set would be falling off like right next to you and like something would fall out of the ceiling. I mean, it was like, it, it, it was just, it was absurd, but, uh, but actually, I mean, um, Michael Nankin directed that, who was like really one of the great directors from the uh, Battlestar Galactica yes. uh, reboot universe. Um, one, one of the, like the best directors I've actually ever worked with. Um, he was in that, that, that was that was a really great experience working on it. You know, like did, you know, like like watching the movie, like, is it like a great movie? Like, oh, God, no. But again, I mean. <laughs> considering that like you know like they gave they gave michael like five dollars right duct tape look at what he made with thing off yeah yeah and like a you know in bulgaria which is not an easy place to film right uh for a lot of reasons Uh, the fact that he pulled it off and he got it together like on time and on budget was a victory you know wow dude it is um so awesome to catch up with you as as always and to uh watch your career continue to um uh evolve and and the person that you are uh continue to evolve tracy wanted to know what is um a piece of advice that you have received and found helpful that you would want to pass on to others oh man i know uh... <laughs> Well, no, I relax and enjoy the dance. You know, I mean, life isn't all of this is, you know, we're, we're, I don't know. I, I, maybe this is just like getting older, you know, um, I'm like, I'm not that old, but you know, like, I'm, you know, you get older, you, you, you get a little wiser. And I, I, I know, um, I, I'm, I'm a lot less thinking in terms of like targets, mm-hmm. you know, and like, goals and ambitions and trying to get there um and only being happy if i get there Mm. and being a little bit more like like what is the process you know like let me let me enjoy you get one life you know as far as we know as far as we know as far as we know you know even if you you know you believe in you know like uh, the catholic church and you know uh muhammad and all this stuff right you know as, as far as we know this is like it in terms of like what this is so um, if this is all the, if this is all you got, like in all of eternity, just like enjoy the, enjoy the ride, enjoy the process of it, the, enjoy the people you meet, you know, you're, you're going to be on your own path. I don't know if, if you know, that means you're going to get rich, you're going to get famous. If you're not, man, your life is a gift. Your health is a gift. And, you know, and I think the other one is like happiness is a choice. Like it really is a choice. You know, I've, I've seen people be happy in situations that would appall right a lot of us um and uh it's it's a state of mind that you cultivate and it's a practice and uh that's i that's become more and more apparent to me the older i've got yeah not to be ignorant of change or injustice or anything else but you can still be happy you know and and still fight for change so exactly. absolutely yeah. and happy people are affected people you mm-hmm. know like uh the, the miserable people you know uh, are not really that effective. I mean, if you think about like if someone like like starts insulting you on the street, you know, and you start getting like really nervous and like tight and like you know indignant, you can't think, you can't really right. respond, you can't 
You know what I mean? But like, if you're just like relaxed and chill and just sort of like enjoying your life, you're like, Hey man, that's great. You know what I mean? Like that's, and, and oddly enough, that's a lot more aggravating <laughs> for people. <laughs> well, it is because you're attaining something that they, they see that they're not getting to you. So, you know, I, yeah. I, but it's like, yeah, you, yeah. you got to be really vigilant, yeah. you know, like your peace of mind, uh, you have to like, it's like this thing you have to balance and be very, very constantly engaged. And otherwise it's just so easy to get thrown off balance and end up doing something so stupid on a bad day, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing and doing it on camera, you know, cause we've all got these things right now. It can ruin your life. Yeah. So it's kind of in our best interests to like just learn to be like moment by moment um yeah. happy you know i will uber uh sometimes and for some extra cash and uh oh, oh i think you like riding it in uber no 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 i will i will drive i will drive for uber and um yeah. and uh we're stuck in traffic and people are like how do you deal with this and they're always surprised when i say you know, you got to find the cord in your brain that's bothered by it and cut it. And <laughs> some of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some who are like, oh, I could never do that. You know, and it's like, why? Yeah. Why could you never do that? What What's leading you to say that? Some part of you must be enjoying this. You know, G give yourself permission to let go from wanting to fight. I'm being paid to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if you think about it, I, I always think about it like in those situations, oh. like, you know, where are you going? Like, where are you really going? Like, right? like, yeah. like, like, what? like, yeah, you're, you gotta go drop the person off or yeah, you gotta make it to this meeting on time. Yeah. You know? But like, if you don't, where are you really going? And yeah, this isn't more about, this is about your life. And it's yeah. about the place that you're really going. You hope is, is to like, to show up and to be, to, to like share love and to receive love like that that's what you're here to do so you can do that in traffic and you can do that mm -hmm. when you're late and you can do that when everyone else around you is going nuts and it's really powerful i've i've seen people do it i've seen some people being able to like hold on to that in really stressful situations and it's the most beautiful life-affirming powerful thing uh to see make good ripples it's your choice make good ripples yeah yeah absolutely yeah. brian uh, I, uh, thank you so much for, uh, coming on. Um, and, uh, uh, congratulations again with, with class of 09 and with your documentary and, yeah. uh, uh, please stay in touch. I will. So. Same. All right, brother. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you know how the documentary is going. With please. Probably for a while away for, it could be at least a year, but yeah, we're, we're on it. Well, these, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, these things have a process, so you know we'll we'll do whatever we can to help help fuel it. When we get when we get closer, I'd like to you know at least get a clip of it and have you back so we can discuss it. So, yeah, I would love that. That would be awesome. All right, pal. I uh, appreciate your time. I'm going to go ahead and close out the show on this side. All right, thanks, David. Bye. You take care of yourself, Brian J. Smith. Everyone, Lieutenant Matthew Scott on Stargate Universe. A couple of questions for me. How was your trip? So I just got back from L.A. I spent um, uh, a month out there editing my first feature film. And so that's done. And uh, I can't uh, yet announce uh, the movie, but it was the director's cut of a, of a feature. And I, I reconstructed about 30% of the picture. It is a comedy because, I mean, you know, you look at me and you think, oh, man, he's so funny. Um, and I'm really 
really proud of it. So as as we get more information, uh, I'll, I'll let everyone know. Alien World Air, Airsoft Stargate question. I'm making an Airsoft Stargate loadout. I have a P90, but what is the sidearm I should get, Dial the Gate? I don't know, but the person who does is Stitches Loft. And so you, you're going to want to go over to stitchesloft.com. I have that on the screen right here. All right, folks, that's uh, everything that I have for you. Um, we're going to be um, uh, moving on with Wormhole Extremists this afternoon. A lot of episodes are coming up on dialthegate.com as we move uh, uh, closer to um, uh, our 200th episode. So visit dialthegate.com and see the complete uh, list. We're going to get rolling. Thanks so much for uh, Tracy and uh, Anthony for moderating today. Thanks again for Brian for coming on. Uh, always great to have him. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate, and we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. Dial the Gate.